Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, and we've got an amazing show here for you today. It's so great to have you listening to us. Thank you for making us your first listen when it comes to all things Duke Athletics every single day. All right, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Do up on today's show another week, which means another visit with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Our first conversation here in 2022 which will be a fun one as we recap Duke's win versus Georgia Tech, a game that Josh happened to be in attendance for, the game tomorrow versus Miami, and then also some Duke football thoughts coming up at the end of today's program. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Josh Cox joins us now on the program. Josh, I appreciate the time, man. As I said, first time we're chatting here in the new year. So happy new year to you and yours. And boy, what a good day it was earlier in the week when we got to actually see Duke basketball play again after a couple of postponements. Yeah, for sure. Happy New Year to you as well. And, yeah, it was a great uh, win, great to get, see the guys get back on the court and kind of fight through, uh, you know, a little bit of, of, a, of a tough situation, you know, being off those two games the previous week. Um, and you really could see the guys kind of fighting through. Uh, maybe teams in, in years past may have crumbled uh, in that Georgia Tech game, and it was neat to see those guys fight through it for sure. What's so hard about the Georgia Tech game, again, first game that Duke played, uh, after having two postponed versus Clemson and versus Notre Dame is we don't know the specifics of which players had the worst cases of COVID-19. If anything, all we know is the results that we saw physically in the game, which was a very, very sloppy basketball game being played by Duke. I know coach K made a comment about certain players uh, vomiting after a couple of minutes of practice Monday before they played the game on Tuesday and uh, getting just back in shape and that sort of thing. Was it pretty obvious in person that there was a little rust there, Josh? What was the vantage point like for you actually in the building? Well, there was a, there were several things that that led. It was a little sluggish in the building. Yes, that's to answer your question. But I believe there was other circumstances at play here. No students are back on campus yet um, other than athletes. And so the entire student section was made up of normal fans. There were a lot of empty seats. There was a lot, if you notice, the student section – um, probably, I, I don't know, 20% of it was, was open on, in the corners. Uh, grad students weren't back, and so the, in, the ends underneath the basket weren't full. And then up, upstairs as well, there were a lot of secondary market tickets. There's 9 p.m. start times. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the things just, sure. that, that was all kind of like a perfect storm. Um, and so it was a little sluggish in there. I would say the entire game, it only got loud in there maybe twice. Um, you know, one of them was on AJ's dunk for sure and uh, and those types of things. But, yeah, it seemed a little sluggish. Actually, I had someone text me during the game and said on TV, it's like you could see it in the player's eyes. That it, You know how you kind of look when you're getting over an illness or, you're, you know, your first day back at work yeah. you know, after being out for a while? And that's kind of the way everybody just kind of looked a little like a step slow. Their eyes were a little sunken in. It was just kind of like <laughs> one of those games, you know. No, for sure. And obviously the play was that way. Duke only shot 65% from the 
from the free throw line, uh, which is a number that you want to see improve. Credit to them for attacking Georgia Tech nonetheless, knowing that possibly some outside shots weren't going to fall, sending them to the charity stripe. But someone like Wendell Moore Jr., who's been the leader for this team, 2 of 11 from the floor, 8 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. That's what's so hard in all of this is that, Josh, you're obviously allowed to have a couple of down games. We can't expect these guys to be Superman every single time out there on the floor. But we really don't know if, if, if Wendell or whoever the player was in particular really was like having to catch their breaths again after uh, mm-hmm. not playing in quite some time because, uh, as Coach K said, this, this virus kind of ran through the whole team. Yeah, and, you know, if you think about it, the, what is the rule? Seven players and one yeah. coach? They still play. So that means – and I'm not – once again, I'm not sure if that's scholarship players or not, but uh, that means that, there, you know, it wasn't just one or two guys on the team that had it. Uh, it had made its way through uh, the team. And so you're right. Wendell looked a little bit – honestly, he looked a little bit slow. He kind of looked like freshman uh, Wendell a little bit out there. Just just not, not in his – but just in, in the way, the speed in which he was moving. You know, we've – become accustomed this year to seeing explosive Wendell uh, yeah. Wendell going to the basket really strong. And I felt like he set up for a couple of layups that could have been dunks and things like that. He did hit a big three in the second half um, and, and those types of things. And I think Wendell, I think this was just a blip on the radar. Um, I got a lot enough faith in him. I think he'll bounce back. Paolo had 17 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. The four assists were more than anyone else on the team. Three blocks, two steals. Uh, was nine of sixteen from the free throw line. What'd you think of Paolo's play? Well, I mean, he, he as as quietly as he could, he carried the team. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's that's the thing that I'm not sure that people that watch the games uh, really appreciate. It was just really quiet. Yeah, how can I'm not sure how you can fill the stat sheet up like you just said with all those numbers. Yeah, and still kind of feel like he had a quiet game. Right. Um, but he did. And so, but, but honestly, it's a testament to just how good he is. You know, how good of a player do you have to be to have a 17 and 11 game and for people to go, oh, he didn't really play that well, you know? And, and yeah. Paulo is a, a special talent. And I will say this when he makes up his mind to do something, uh, he, he succeeds at it. And my man, when he needs to get a bucket, uh, can get a bucket. And, and I do appreciate as well his uh, dedication to shooting free throws. Um, he's the kind of guy that in years past we've had big dominant players who shot 60% from the free throw line. And Paulo seems to be really um, giving time and effort to that. And he's, you know, shoots it well from the stripe for sure. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that, as we said, so far this year, again, Duke's now 12 and one overall in the season. They're, they're two and zero in ACC play. He's been someone who's been 80 plus percentage from, from the free throw line against Georgia Tech, just nine of 16. So, again, whether that's an off night from the line for Paolo or a couple of other factors that that could be in there, good that he was able to take so many, to make so many. As a team, they made 26 free throws. Duke only scored 69 points. Over a third of their points came from the free throw line. If they don't shoot as many free throws, I don't think Duke wins that game. I agree. And, and, you know, we missed so many free throws that in the stands – it kind of got that sarcastic, like we yeah. were expecting them to miss. And then when they would hit one, people would like cheer, like right. overly, uh, just because we, we hit a free throw. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, Georgia Tech, you know, DeVoe, um, and that, he's really the one-headed monster there. But, like, we could have lost that game at the end of the day. We went small, by the way, uh, looking at the numbers. When you're at the game, it's funny how you don't, 
recognize the numbers until you finish it and go actually look at the box score. Uh, AJ Griffin played more minutes than Mark Williams. Um, we did go small some. Mark Mark still had a double double and had a really good game in twenty one minutes. 21 I mean, minutes. he was getting yeah. it done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think we saw AJ um, a little bit more. And once again, AJ just coming into his own. That play from Wendell, where Wendell drove baseline and the bounce pass to AJ coming down for the dunk was incredible. And by the way, I know we're not quite here yet. Maybe this is our transition, but I fully expect to see a lot of AJ Griffin against Miami for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that Miami game. You are setting up a good transition for us. So we'll get set for Duke and the Hurricanes tomorrow night from inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, let's take a quick break, though, and we'll talk about that momentarily. Again, you're listening to Locked On Blue Devils. Today's show brought to you by our friends over at Get Upside. Hey, Duke fans, this is JJ Jackson with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, and get a bonus, 25 cents per gallon, on your first fill up. That totals up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Download the app for free, use promo code SCORE, and get up to 50 cents a gallon back on your first tank. Some drivers who drive a lot throughout the months are making up to as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, today. GetUpside, a proud sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. Our show today is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use our promo code LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, to get started. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Coming back into Lockdown Blue Devils here today, my name is JJ Jackson. Thrilled to be joined by Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Let's take a quick moment here as it is Five Star Friday. We encourage you to leave us five star ratings and reviews for this show while you're listening to it. Make sure you check out the Section 17 podcast. They're reposting great interviews that they had at the end of the season with uh, Mateo Durant and a couple other players that we're able to stop by, leave them a five-star rating and review, and we'll have some football topics here at the end of today's show. All right, Josh, so we teased it a moment ago, Duke men's basketball. Now they welcome in Miami, who's 4-0 in league play so far. On yesterday's show with Jason Evans and the Duke Basketball Report, we were raving at the fact that this Miami team is averaging right at 90 points a game in ACC competition. Scoring the ball is going to be paramount for Duke's success and you think there's a big role for A.J. Griffin in it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that that Miami really starts four guards, um, six, seven, and under, and then they have one big man, and they're, they're a big guy. They don't rely on him much for the offense, you know, if, if at all. Yeah. Um, so I really, I really expect A.J. to get a lot of run. I expect that small lineup. And once again, as we've discussed in times past, uh, that small lineup can score as long as that small lineup 
it will move the ball and, and run motion. If that small ball lineup likes to stand around and take people one-on-one off the dribble, we tend to struggle. And so uh, I, that's the main thing I'm looking uh, to in this game is to see when we go small, because we will, uh, can we continue to run the offense, um, get some motion, get some uh, ball movement. And if we do that, um, there's no reason. Here's the thing. They can score, but there's no reason why we can't outscore them. We're a, we're a superior, talented team, uh, and we should be able to outscore them. But, hey, listen, they're 12-3 and three overall as well. And, uh, and man, they I'll tell you what, they have a uh, they have a backcourt, man. Uh, Charlie Moore uh, is incredible. We know Isaiah Wong. Yeah. Uh, Cameron McGusty. I mean, those guys, they lit it up. And I think Charlie Moore had a game against Syracuse earlier this week. And so he can put the ball in the basket. They're, they're small, but this is a case where, you know, Jeremy Roach is going to be called on uh, to not have those defensive lapses that he can have sometimes. And he'll probably be matched up uh, on more, I would assume. And then I'm looking at probably Trevor Keels on Isaiah Wong and, and then, uh, or, or, you know, or Wendell uh, with McGusty. I think they can switch back and forth there. Um, so anyway, it's going to be interesting, interesting matchup. Uh, Miami is Larinaga, man. Larinaga is so underrated. He does such a good job with his squad. He always has them playing, I feel like, like a couple steps above the way they should be playing. 100%. Yeah, and this is – I think it's going to be great. I, I, there's a lot of buzz on the secondary ticket market right now. A lot of people are trying to get to this game. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, a Saturday primetime game for Duke, 8 o'clock Eastern tip as they get set to take on Miami from inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. I spent a lot of time this week uh, on the Locked On ACC podcast here on the network with Candace Cooper talking about those Miami Hurricanes. A great breakdown from you there, Josh, a moment ago. You're right, Isaiah Wong. I mean, that guy's been playing for Miami for what feels like forever. You know how good he is. Charlie Moore has the big game earlier this week. He's able to score in bunches when needed for the Hurricanes. And then Cameron McGusty started his career out at Oklahoma playing second fiddle to Trey Young, the magical year Trey Young had. Now he's still in college and still getting buckets for the Hurricanes now as opposed to the Oklahoma Sooners. So really talented backcourt. You mentioned Duke making sure they don't get into uh, kind of me, me, me isolation ball if they go to that that smaller set. We got to come up with a fun name for uh, that. I know the Warriors had the death lineup, they like to call it. When they had Kevin Durant and Godala, we got to come up with a fun lineup name for for this Duke unit. But defensively, what what are the keys for this Duke team? Because as you said, there are four guys that are six, seven, and smaller. And even a game like Tech that we saw earlier this week, only giving up fifty seven points, and Georgia Tech shooting less than thirty five percent from the floor. Really good defensive effort from Duke. Yeah, well, I think two things are involved here. I think number one. Um, we typically are still going to start the game with our regular starting lineup, which includes Mark. And I think the longer Mark can keep himself on the court, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I've not watched enough Miami basketball this year to know how they run that offense, but the longer Mark can stay on the court and he can be that presence at the rim, blocking shots, defensive rebounds, those types of things, the longer he stays on the court and we can keep our traditional lineup, honestly, the better, right? I think we go to that small ball lineup because we have to, uh, not necessarily because we want to. And so I think key number one is can Mark stay on the court for as long? Once again, I don't – I know it's not going to be a ton, but let's put it this way. Can he stay on the court for 21 minutes like he did against Georgia Tech? If Mark Mark gets 21 minutes in this game, 
that would be that would be a number one that would be great. Secondly, I think once we do go to that that smaller lineup with Paulo playing the five, I believe we have to lean into guys like Trevor Kills and Wendell Moore. Those guys have led us defensively the entire year. And I think those guys have to come ready to play, uh, to lead. And I think when those guys are giving energy on the defensive end, it spills over onto the other guys. And, and, and you know, I, I would love I would love to see, you know, Wendell or Trevor just shut down one of the whoever, whoever they were guarding. I um, mean, just make that that was going to be the thing uh, this game. And so I think it comes down to defensive leadership. And, uh, and once again, being able to switch, you know, when we go to that smaller lineup, uh, we can switch one through five. And that is um, that is is key, especially when you've got shooters uh, like Miami has. You want to be able to switch on all those dribble handoffs. Uh, you want to be able to switch on every pick and roll. And uh, that that allows us to do that. So the Stoop team getting set for the game versus Miami. Also talking about the Georgia Tech game. And, and again, you don't want to put too much stock into one game, but we did see a little bit lesser of a role for someone like Theo John and Joey Baker. Baker only plays seven minutes of game time. Theo John only four. Jalen Blakes even got some run in the first half. Again, first game back after a lengthy break because not only did two games get postponed, you had the Christmas holiday break in the middle of all this and that sort of thing. What what does the bench look like to you tomorrow? Yeah, I could see Jalen Blake's uh, earning a little bit more playing time. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Kay is looking at that bench. You know, Joey's going to give an offensive spark, but Joey's a defensive liability, and I don't mean that in any criticism to him. Um, I be, I don't believe he has to be. I, I yeah. believe I believe defense is 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 in your head, and and I'd love to see Joey improve on that as a, as a fourth year guy. Uh, but Jalen can earn some minutes because he can defend the wing, um, and he is a solid defender. And so I could see that. And and Theo, man, I I mean, he may be like as an actual person, he may be my actual favorite player on this team because I love his leadership. I love his grit. Um, but if there's not a place for Mark um, in this game, yeah. I don't see there being a place for Theo. And, and what, that doesn't mean he's not going to play, but that just means it's going to be very spotty. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't know. It will be, it will be spotty play for sure for Theo. We'll see how Duke plays tomorrow versus the Miami hurricanes. Again, Duke trying to improve to uh, what is it? 13 and one overall three, and zero in the ACC, they've got uh, wake forest after this game, a midweek game, a trip to Winston Salem and then, uh, NC state, the opponent for Duke one week from tomorrow, Saturday, January 15th, one more quick timeout. And then when we come back, we talk a little football with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. All right, our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is amazing. Let me tell you about it. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it may be even better than one. Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You're making the best business decision by choosing Built Bar. You need to go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. Check out the variety of flavors that they've got between coconut almond, raspberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, and many, many more. Again, built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off 
your next order. Wrap it up today with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. We know now know who the new offensive coordinator is for Duke. All reports out there um, lead us to believe Kevin Johns is going to take the job and uh, take over this Blue Devil offense. Steve Wiseman with the Rally News and Observer reported the news first. Pete Thamel jumped on the wire as well, saying, hey, this is something that's going to happen. Kevin Johns updated his Twitter bio to where Durham, North Carolina is now his location. Uh, we're just waiting to see those photoshops, right, of him in Duke football gear. Uh, talked earlier in the week about his ties to that pinstripe bowl back in 2015. But, Josh, your thoughts first on the hire and then maybe some numbers that really stood out to you. Yeah, for sure. Well, as has been the case with all of Mike Elko's decisions thus far, I really like it. This is a guy, you know, we were talking last week and we didn't really know who the candidates were. Yeah, they didn't decide they produced a list of them or anything. And so, I mean, when you're talking offensive coordinators, there's so many different directions that a head coach could go. And so there was no way to really get out in front of this at all and, 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 you know, see a list of prospects. But uh, once that announcement hit, um, I was very, very pleased with the hire. And, and you're right, the pinstripe bowl is the connection that Duke has. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, we still won't talk about that field goal and whether <laughs> it was good or not. As a Duke fan, it obviously was not good. Uh, but uh, but anyway, um, but that, that Indiana team um, playing in the Big Ten uh, averaged over 36 points a game uh, that year, and, uh, and they were very solid. And he was at the head um, of that offense. And so um, I began digging after that. I began uh, – I started in 2017 uh, okay. with Hans, and I kind of – I wanted to really see what um, his offenses looked like. And so in 2017, he was at Western Michigan, okay, small school. Um, they averaged they, – they finished the season 26th in the nation in offense – uh, they averaged 33.9 points per game. Now, I'm doing this points per game because, you know, at the end of the day, all that really matters on offense is scoring points. Yeah, no doubt. We can look at all the advanced stats. We can look at all the analytics. At the end of the day, how many points were on that scoreboard as a result of your offense? That's what is the most important. So, Western Michigan, now that what was interesting there, they were a run-heavy offense. Uh, they ran the ball a lot more than they threw the ball, but in 2017 – um, uh, the Kevin Johns led offense was 26 in the country. And just for football fans out there, Josh, to kind of timeline this for people, yeah. that's the first year post PJ Fleck, who had Correct. at this point taken the Minnesota job, yep. Western Michigan, a really prolific offense on their own right. And so, 2017, first year post PJ Fleck, yep. now Kevin Johns gets to run the offense for yep. uh, Western Michigan. Yeah, a great point there, too. Great point. Um, he then gets hired at Texas Tech in Cliff Kingsbury's final season, um, which I think was interesting because at the end of the season, the entire staff got let go because Kingsbury got let go. Right. But the Texas Tech offense, and we understand how good their offense can be, um, they were 16th in the country, 37-plus points per game in 2018. Obviously, at Texas Tech, a pass-heavy offense. And so uh, that shows you just in those two seasons back-to-back that Kevin John's uh, plays to the strengths of his offense. And Mike Elko made the point in his press conference to say our offense is going to be the best players on the field 
how do we get them the ball? If that's our running back, we're going to run the ball more. If right. that's our wide receivers, we're going to throw the ball more. And so I believe he's found a guy that does that. He then goes uh, to Memphis uh, for 2019, 2020, and 2021. Now, in 2019, it was Mike Norvell's last season at Memphis. And we all know uh, Mike Norvell winds up Florida State and then what, uh, everything right. is going on. Um, but they were eighth in the country. In wow. 2019, 40-plus, uh, over 40 points per game in that Memphis offense um, in 2019. Uh, now, since Norvell has left, they were 44th in 2020, 31 points a game. They were 52nd in 2021, 30 points a game. All of those seasons, they featured the pass more than they featured the run. All that to say, I believe Kevin Johns is versatile. I believe Kevin Johns can adapt to the, the, the players that he has and make – a good offense work now just for duke fans this is this is a, we're going we're bringing you into the section 17 podcast here okay okay we're gonna go a little bit deep all right a little bit deeper here i just gave you the numbers from 2017 for kevin johns as an offensive coordinator let me give you duke's offensive numbers from 2017 all right 2017 the quarterback was daniel jones okay zach roper offensive coordinator of course all that we were 80th in the country. That same year that Western Michigan was 26th, we were 80th in the country at 26 and a half points a game. Daniel Jones's final season, the, the romanticized final season of Daniel Jones in 2018, we were 64th in the nation at 29.4 points per game. At the same time, Kevin Johns, 16th in the nation at Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. 2019, here we go, Duke. 2019, 94th in the country at 25 points a game with Quentin Harris under center. 2020, we were 92nd, 24.8 points a game with Mr. Chase Bryce under center. And this past season, we were 102nd in the country in offense with Gunnar Holmberg primarily the guy, but with a couple of other guys there with him. So let me let me put this into perspective. 52nd. In 2021, is this is the worst offense that Kevin Johns has has been yeah. the, the leader of since 2017. Our best offense since 2017 was 64th, 12 spots behind Kevin Johns' worst. So at the end of the day, this is a potentially major major upgrade. Um, bringing in a guy like Kevin Johns, Duke fans. We should get ready to see more points on the board. And I can't personally wait to see that. I just, I thought, I was like, I know this guy's going to be prepared. I, I didn't expect to go all the way with the Duke scoring averages from you, Josh Cox. That's why we love you every time you're here on Locked On Blue Devils. Because I'm thinking back to, to 2019 and just listening to you say those numbers. And, and as Duke football fans, that we are over 40 points a game. You know, like – When's the last time that happened for a Duke offense? That's incredible that Kevin Johns has that on his resume and uh, taking the right steps to get Duke into one of those offenses. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then there's going to be some chips that fall from here. You know, we don't know what those chips are going to be. Uh, there are some Memphis writers uh, on Twitter that think that there's going to be some player uh, movement as uh -huh. a result of this. Um uh, even maybe possibly at the quarterback position. And, you know, uh, I've, I've encouraged Duke fans, uh, I believe on this podcast last week, don't, don't become sentimental. Uh, this, <laughs> is, this is a business. And, man, we love every one of the guys on our roster. But at the end of the day, 
hey, these players deserve – I mean, these coaches deserve the right to bring their guys in. And if with the transfer rules the way that they are, hey, it is what it is. And so right. we'll see what happens. Uh, coaching will be interesting to see, um, uh, you know, if anybody comes with Kevin Johns from Memphis. I'm not sure how that's going to work. Um, but we'll, we'll start seeing those pieces fall into place. It did look like, according – uh, to an article that I read this past week that Trooper Taylor is going to move back over to the office. Just about to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know where he'll be. He obviously coached the wide receivers uh, there uh, previously at Duke, uh, but I think that Trooper's a versatile guy. He's been in coaching for a long time. So Trooper's going to have some spot uh, over there, but we'll see how that uh, plays itself out. But at the end of the day, Duke fans now know who the offensive coordinator is. Uh, I believe this helps us in the transfer portal now. Uh, for sure, and uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to what Kevin Johns is going to bring to the table. Yeah, I, I saw that report. Steve Weissman again had the news first with the Rally News and Observer uh, talking about Kevin Johns being the new guy, and that yes, Trooper Taylor. It looks like he's going back to the offensive side of the ball. First and foremost, confirming that it would be retained. They never took his bio off of GoDuke.com, so I just stared at that, Josh. I said, I know how compliance departments work in athletics and how nitpicky they are about those things. If he wasn't going to be there, that thing would have been taken down as soon as possible. It never was. And so we'll see what that role is for him on the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned the wide receiver connection. Of course, the 2010 national champion that Trooper Taylor was coaching wide receivers at Auburn there in the SEC. That's the next thing, right, is to get a couple of more. Well, you still got to get all the way to 10 on your coaching staff, but we don't know specifically the logistics of each of the offensive coaches Right. And uh, I know a lot of people that love football and you're one of those guys, Josh, got to make sure this offensive line hire is a good one, too, because you can't do anything on offense if you don't have a line that's helping you set things up. Yeah. And we've seen that. We've seen that at Duke and and we covered it. Uh, it's been a while, while ago now on our podcast. We went back and, and researched the offensive line numbers and we found that there was a coaching change at offensive line back when John Latina left Duke. And we went downhill from there. And even in the Daniel Jones years, we laugh. Daniel Jones to this day since high school has yet to play behind a good offensive line. He didn't do it at Duke, and he's definitely not done it in the NFL. Right. Um, and so our offensive line was not good. And, you know, it's it's really interesting when your O-line is not good how the rest of the offense seems to fall apart. But when your offensive line is good, it's amazing how everything seems to come together, right? I mean, we see it in all levels of football. Right. You see it in the NFL. You see it in college. You see it in major college football. Obviously, those those teams that were playing in the college football playoff, uh, they're winning in the trenches. Uh, and, and then even even as low down in high school football, you'll see it. So it, it's true. Our offensive line is key. If the offensive line can't block, it doesn't matter how good that quarterback is, he's going to get you know, uh, a second or two uh, less in the pocket to get rid of the football, and he's not going to be as good. And honestly, let's be let's be very honest. That could possibly be the Chase Price situation uh, because you know he had a terrible, he had a historically bad Awful. season. Yeah. Dude. And man, honestly, for a young man to go to App State and to get the the offensive player of the year. Um, it just shows you something was wrong, man. Something was wrong at Duke. And I don't know if it was solely on the O-line, uh, but I but I will say I'm looking forward to seeing that. Oh, by the way, an O-line that progressed this year big time. Mm-hmm. An O-line that was much, much improved and much better. And we've not lost anybody to transfer. We're only losing people that are graduating. And so, you know, we, we should come back with another strong O-line, uh, barring transfers. 
Now we just got to figure out who's going to coach them, and we'll keep following that as we move forward. Again, we'll see what new news are uh, created over the weekend in regards to Duke football. We've got Duke basketball taking on Miami, as we discussed a little bit earlier, uh, just in the sports world in general. We've got the final week of the uh, NFL regular season before they get going into the playoffs. So a lot of fun things ahead. Uh, again, we're talking with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. So as we wrap up today, Josh, I know you talked uh, with the guys earlier in the week, kind of set some sights on 2022 plans that you guys have for the show. I don't want all the secrets right now, but if people are looking for things to listen to, maybe they've still got some travels ahead. Tell them a little bit about the Section 17 podcast and anything that you want to promote there. Yeah, for sure. Before I do that, quick shout out Duke of the NFL, Michael Carter II with the uh, sack of Tom Brady. Uh, yeah. That was super cool. I, I hate this episode to go by to not mention that. That was awesome. I absolutely love Michael Carter II. I He's love him really well. His years at Duke, man, I know. And, like, he was Mr. Consistent and steady back there. And, man, he has gone to the pros and he's doing really well. And so I'm, I'm so pumped for him. We um, haven't done that. And we need to do it like a, in a update. season recap yeah. to update it with the, this weekend being the That's a reason for you to come back on the program then to give us there the, we'll the NFL it. season recap. For sure. Well, Section 17 podcast, yeah, our guys, uh, we went, uh, I grabbed dinner. And by the way, Brian bought us dinner because he paid off the, the bet. He did. He did. And he was the man, the man of his word for sure. <laughs> uh, but we, yeah, we sat down and, and we kind of looked at, at things, you know, what, what's working, what's not working. You know, we looked at our stats and, you know, what, what are our highest uh, volume of listens and lowest, you know, different things like that. And, and we also want to keep it fresh. There's a couple of segments that we've done now for two years that we may uh, retire and bring in um, a new segment. In fact, uh, a new segment we're going to uh, bring in this year is going to be a This Week in Duke Football History and we're going to kind of uh, go back in the history of Duke football, find something happened that week and highlight that um, on the podcast. So we're looking forward to that Great idea. And then uh, with our access that we are gaining uh, within the media front, uh, we're trying to see what that's going to look like. We, we, we want to stay fan. We are a fan podcast, but we want to be able to bring some behind the scenes media things as well. And so we're trying to balance that as a podcast. We want to be, we're still going to be the guys out there tailgating, uh, you know, at the Blue Devil Walk and like, we're fans. I'm bringing my daughter to the game. We're cheering, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, but then to have that access to be able to to see a player or coach reaction after a game uh, is going to be something unique for us this year. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. We've got a couple of other things up our sleeve. If, if some things follow through, we want to do more with giveaways uh, and do some more things like that. But we're waiting for a couple of uh, a couple of uh, chips to fall where yeah. they need to fall. And we're going to be ready to roll. We're going to record – uh, an episode here within the next couple of weeks. It'll drop by the end of January before February. Uh, and we're going to get rolling, man. We're looking forward to Duke football. We think Duke can improve uh, in so many areas. And we, we're we just ready to, to see it happen. Josh, I said it a little bit earlier. It's five-star Friday. So what should people do? Yeah, they need to. Well, first of all, they need to press pause right here. Because <laughs> they're already listening. And uh, and they can they can uh, give a five-star review to Locked on Blue Devils. Uh, if if you would leave the rating and then and then honestly, I've heard that if you actually leave a review, like specifically a review, it helps even more. Best so thing to just, do. Yep. Don't just do the five star uh, rating, but leave a review. And then if you could head over, just type in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts, but primarily Apple Podcast. If you would search uh, Section Seventeen Podcast, 
uh, you'll find Duke Football Talk there, uh, Section 17 Podcast. If you do the same for us, we would appreciate it. Uh, yeah, if you haven't had a chance, go. We did interview Mateo Durant and uh, go back and listen to those interviews. Uh, we have a Jake Bobo interview uh, that we had released a little bit earlier on. You can just scroll through and find. I would say at this point, the interviews are going to be the ones uh, during the offseason that that you could go back and listen to. The others were about gameplay during the season, so it probably <laughs> won't matter as much. Uh, but we do appreciate the five-star, as I know J.J. does here on the Locked On Network. Thank you so much for the plug there, Josh. Thank you, as always, for being on the program each and every week. Looking forward to talking to you again soon on the show, okay? Sounds good. We'll see if we can get that W uh, tomorrow night in Cameron. I hope so. I hope so, indeed. That's Josh Cox. Follow him on Twitter, at Joshua Cox. You can follow me on Twitter, at underscore JJ, underscore Jackson, underscore. Be sure to follow our show on Twitter, at LO, underscore Blue Devils. Let's give them another social plug as well, at Duke FB Talk is what you need to check out. Uh, as well. Be sure to follow and subscribe this podcast on your favorite podcast app. You'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. It's the new year. That means the transition to YouTube is coming very, very, very soon. So find Locked On Blue Devils on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe. We're heading that way in just a little bit. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Good day.